wanted to be excellent at something. I didn't want to be just like good or just barely a starter on a team or something, you know? That's Jonathan Pierce, and this is the Sugar Bench Adventure Podcast. This week's guest is a former elite athlete in track and field and distance running. He competed at Stanford University, where he was an All-American in the 3,000-meter steeplechase, and he then ran professionally for three years. After completing his elite running career, he became a therapist and worked extensively as a consultant to several clubs in professional athletics. Then in 2017, he made a huge leap and founded Kinetic Performance, and he serves as the founder and lead practitioner there. He chairs a nonprofit branch targeting injury reduction for youth athletes, and Jonathan now calls the Little Italy neighborhood of San Diego home. We are so thankful to have him here today. Before we get going though, I wanted to give you some notes just to kind of put his running career in perspective. At Stanford, he is called one of the best steeplechasers in Stanford history. He ran the fourth fastest 3K steeplechase time in 2006 at 8 minutes 40.2 seconds. His best mile time is a 1500 meter converted time to around about 4 minutes and 3 seconds. Um, He ran a fast 5K at at 13 minutes and 56 seconds, and these can go on and on. Um, In addition to his running prowess, Jonathan is an incredible um, human being, and to see him transition into um, helping people and and working toward wellness has been really cool for me. Uh, I hope you enjoy the show. Check him out at his website at www.kineticperformanceco.com. He's on Instagram at Kinetic Performance Co. He also has some really cool informative YouTube videos at Kinetic Performance Co. as well. Um, Check those out. Uh, stay healthy, and I hope you enjoy the episode. Thanks. So, John, we're really excited to have you on the show. Thanks, Andy. It's it's really great to great to reconnect and great to be here. It's funny, John. Um, I was I was going through um just some of the the stuff that you've been able to achieve, and and it it sunk in for me for the first time that the last time maybe we connected um, was maybe like twenty years ago. We both grew up in the same town, and it's been a long time. Yeah. It has been a long time. I remember we had a really fun time at, at New Year's skiing when we went cross-country skiing together in uh, in the Adirondacks, like in Lake Placid. Just yeah, Lake Placid. I, I think that was the Jackrabbit Trail, time. right? Yeah, I think so. I think that was like 2000. And, um, it was. It was 2003, 2004 New Year's. Like I did, it turned into 2004 New Year's. I just remember how steep parts of that were. Like, it was, it was <laughs> yeah, incredible. There was some, there was, yeah, the downhills were pretty uh, scary. <laughs> and um, I don't know, I don't know how you felt on skis, but I'm I'm definitely a novice when it comes to cross country skiing like that. Yeah, I well, I grew. I'm fortunate. I grew up doing it because my mom skied um, right. in college, and so she had us on skis when we were like four years old. Always Nordic skis, you know. So so I was like fairly comfortable. I remember like I remember you know. Yeah, it's just it, it was that was a lot more rough terrain than I was used to. Though it was pretty, it was pretty scary. <laughs> it, it's it's interesting too that you bring that up because I, as I was thinking about this last night too, uh, getting a chance to talk to you today, 
I feel like the family that I grew up in um, really gravitated toward uh, soccer, and, and you've played soccer too, and you're a great soccer athlete. Well, but thanks. your but <laughs> your like you guys. but your folks seem to be really um, dialed into um, running, like you just talked about Nordic skiing, things like that. Um, and I, and I want to check in and, and, and see how things are in San Diego for you right now, but this might be a good time to yeah. kind of just talk about those origin things too. Like, yeah. did that come from mom and dad for the most part? Well, yeah, my mom was, was definitely more of an endurance type athlete. And so my mom, uh, you know, did the Nordic skiing. My dad ran some track and played soccer. My dad was a very good soccer player in high school. Right. Um, and then I think he did a little bit of running, but he, he didn't do a ton of running until, um, actually I became more serious about it. And so he, he got really into it and he became a really good runner, you know, and as an age grouper, he ran, he ran under three hours in the marathon when he was like 52 years old. So did he was really? very, very good. Yeah. Yeah. So he had a lot of ability. I think he just never really got a chance to explore it, uh, when he was younger, you know, and, um, and then my mom, yeah, my mom, the reason I got into it was my mom used to go to the summer sunset series, which I think, you know, and coach Castle, always put those on and yeah. And so she would go to the summer sunset series and run the 5k and, and we would, um, we would go and watch. And then they had this kids one mile. And once I think I was old enough and Kara was old enough, my dad took us on it and we ran the one mile. And, um, and so that was kind of the, the, I think my first exposure really to endurance running or to, to, to middle distance running. So cool. And so we're going to spend some time on, on how that transition went from like, you know, the one mile fun run, but I wanted to check in and just kind of acknowledge like the moment we're in as a country, um, right from you guys in California to us in New York, all around the world, people are kind of being impacted. And later on, we're going to talk about your specific business too. But I, I was just wondering sure. kind of how, you know, you and your family are doing right now and just hopefully everything, everyone's okay. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for asking. Everybody's, everybody's just fine. Everybody's doing well. I have, I have, you know, my, my immediate family's in kind of upstate New York, Montreal, Quebec, uh, and Rochester, New York, and then Pennsylvania and Ohio. So, so everybody's fine. Uh, they're all healthy and kind of just riding this whole thing out, you know, and then I have extended family all over the country in Eastern seaboard and they seem to be all healthy. So I appreciate it. I hope yours as well too. Yeah. We're just kind of laying low. It's been, um, about 45 days Sarah and I have been working from home and trying to um homeschool the kids and and keep everything on the rails but it's we've been trying to like um just make the best of it and doing like you know things like like this that push us outside of our comfort zone and just trying to um rethink um some of our patterns and 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 things like that which has been cool yeah so one thing I wanted to to chat about is um so I remember um, my first memory of of someone that like took running seriously. It was um, it was the Lisbon Homecoming five um, k, and I think you you ran it super fast. It was a long time ago. But one of your teammates from Canton, I re- I don't remember his name, but he rode his bike to the race. In in my mind, I was like, "What are you doing?" Like that didn't compute for me, you know. But for for yeah. maybe you and him, it was probably like this is maybe like a warm up, you know, and I guess I, my, my perspective was totally uh, small at that point. <laughs> do, do you remember when you started to like be okay with maybe big mileage or um, just, just being more serious about the sport of running? Uh, I mean, that's, I guess big mileage 
probably like my my junior year in high school. Okay. Like between my sophomore and junior year, I remember um, that was like a time when the U.S. was was becoming very good again in high school running, and we were starting to like have these breakthroughs. And and part of that push was in the early '90s. In the '90s, people didn't run high mileage, even at the elite levels. There wasn't a very much emphasis on high mileage. They had gotten really exercise physiologists had gotten involved, and they they were talking about low mileage intensity. Okay. You know, doing a lot of like um, strength training to improve your economy, and it was all about that. But then, you know, in the in the late '90s, people started to realize, hey. We got too far away from volume so so the good high school athletes started doing more volume and and i remember there was a class ahead of me a year ahead of me that was going to be seniors my high school coach john casterly he's the man he he pulled me aside in the summer before my junior year and he said hey i just got done listening to this this thing about about these guys and there's one in california there's one in virginia and there's one in michigan and they're all running a lot right he goes he's like they're running more than our program and he, and I was like, okay. And he goes, so you should, you should run more. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, I was like, okay. And I was like, well, how much more? And he goes, just more. Right. <laughs> and he didn't tell me a number, but that was really his style was to not be too heavy handed with it. And he just said, run more. So then I started doing more. And later actually I found out I would run so hard too. I found out that I was just grinding it out and I wasn't very good my sophomore year, but my junior year I broke through and I became one of the best in the state. And I remember running a lot. And then I went back like years later, once we had garments and stuff. And mm-hmm. I realized most of my roots were a mile sh- uh, longer than I thought they were. Really? Oh my <laughs> so goodness. Whatever, whatever I thought I was doing, I was, was actually doing like quite a bit more. And was that around the time that you started to do well at like the Foot Locker? And because I was I was transitioning to like prep school in St. Mike's around that time, but I we were trying to keep a pulse yeah. on things. And because you started to hit on the the national scene at that point. Yeah, yeah that that was that was correct. Um, th- that was exactly when uh, it did happen. Like my junior year, I. I, you know, I wasn't projected to be the best guy in our section mm-hmm. uh, my junior year. By the, you know, the papers all had this other uh, guy named John French projected to be the first. Yeah, I, just, I remember him. Yeah, he was, I, yeah, he was he in my distance learning work. class. So, um, was he a governor kid? Yeah, he was governor kid. That's yeah, right. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yep. And so he he was projected to be the number one guy, and I kind of was like watching what the paper said, and I just was smirking to myself. And cool. I remember my buddy Matt Russell, who you know well, yeah. he was kind of like. He's like, yeah, right, because <laughs> we had been training together all summer, and, and yeah. you know, I came out the first season race, and and that was it. So the um, but I just you know I had good coaching, I had good teammates. It was a good situation to to start to improve, and yeah, it just kind of came together for me. <laughs> it's funny you you mentioned Matt Russell too, and um, what a what a really cool story too for him to win Ironman uh, Lake Placid last year and be such yeah. an incredible um endurance athlete what an amazing triathlete he is i i remember a conversation uh, i think it was in it's interesting it was in the school counseling office um where matt was talking about shout out to matt was talking about how much how much he got out of running you know and i right. think the people around i remember the people around being kind of stunned because at that point training or running was seen as like punishment you yeah. know like if you got in trouble in practice you'd you'd run a lap or something like that and, right. and he, here's Matt, you know, it, I don't know if Matt remembers this or maybe it was you and Matt, I don't know, but talking about like, no man, like there's things called endorphins and like, this is like, this is like our power, you know, <laughs> and that was weird for, for oh, yeah. maybe me and a lot of people, I think. 
I think a lot of people in Lisbon thought we were weird. <laughs> <laughs> I know so. Actually. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but doesn't doesn't yeah. that go back to? And I think that's a cool transition too. Um, in terms of like mindset and um, and and I want to talk about this from an elite standpoint too later on. But like you you were able to change that mindset, and I think that 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 courage and that bravery to say, you know what, like just because everyone's um, not doing it doesn't mean it's not right or valid or have value. And you captured yeah. that early. Oh, well, thank you for saying that. That's, you know, yeah, really kind of you, Andy. I, I think I, I think I've always been kind of an independent thinker. I've never, my parents, mostly it's their credit. It's all their credit. They, I think they raised us to be thinking for ourselves and pretty independent. And, and even they didn't really make very many decisions for us, even mm-hmm. when I was fairly young and, I think I'm the oldest in my family too. So I think that independent street kind of runs in there. And, uh, I guess I was just so passionate about sports and I've always been that way since pretty much I can remember almost. And I just knew very young that I wanted to keep playing sports, right? whatever that was. And I wanted to play baseball, of course. Mm-hmm. And then I, you know, it turns out I wasn't that big. I grew really late. And then when I did grow, I didn't grow as much as you guys. And, you know, soccer and baseball is just not reaching the potential that I thought I could have, you know, I thought I could play sports in college and I was like terrified at the idea of not being able to. So I was like, well, screw this. I'm going to, I'm going to keep trying stuff until I can play a sport in college and then beyond, you know, and, um, and running is definitely a different kind of a sport than than playing a a soccer or hockey or a team sport. Um, but I, but I just, I wanted to be, excellent at something i didn't want to be just like good or just barely a starter on a team or something you know yeah um it's very interesting to hear you say that and and i feel like that's a really articulate way to say it because as a school counselor like i get to work with with hundreds of of kids and it's so fascinating for me to to start to like scratch the surface of their potential and and, Mm. and they don't even see it yet you know so for example say you're in that school counseling office uh, as a junior and, and, and you're able to articulate, you know, this is something that um, I'm really getting a lot of joy of out of. I'm actual, I'm actually able to um, work toward my goals with this. It, when I hear that now with students, I'm like, oh my goodness, like you're just ready to unfurl and some do and some don't. And, right. and when I, when I kind of read your quote that you posted, um, you said like, I believe life is all about adapting to change, staying present with love and joy. Is that something that has been kind of like, um, an evolution for you? Like, have you come to that or is that something that you've, you've, you've been able to adapt for a while? Uh, I, I think, I think I've always gravitated towards doing things that I really, uh, either enjoyed or, you know, the result of doing something would produce that joy, but okay. I, I wouldn't have been able to articulate it that way. You mm-hmm. You know, I think that's a more recent evolution in, in terms of really understanding. I think at more of a deep level or more of a spiritual level, emotional level, mm-hmm. understand what you know what we're trying to do here and what it's about. And um, so, no, I, I think you know that's not always been the case. And honestly, you know, I, I remember a lot of my early athletic success was was born more out of you know frustration, probably, and right. and and almost not not quite anger but 
frustration, you know, with the situations that I, you know, found myself in and nobody's fault. And I wasn't in bad situations, but I think when you're a teenager, things get magnified and, and you mm-hmm. kind of think certain things are a certain way and it may not actually have been that way, but, right. but you kind of, you tend to take things too personally and you, you tend to, you know, I don't know, you, you, Everything, everything's amplified, I guess. I think those those uh, those emotions and frustrations they get amplified, you know. And uh, so, so I remember just I loved competition because it was a chance to really push the envelope and see what you could do. And yeah. I, I learned really in running was an outlet for me to compete. And um, you know, I was it was a way where you know I was a small kid from a small town. Yeah. But I could, I could, you know, make a mark on stuff. And I remember just going to races and just loving to just throttle people. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like that was my favorite. Like when I would be just in control. And I think when you're a teenager and you feel like a lot of things aren't in your control. Yeah. But then you're in a race and like you're at two miles and there's a, you know, one mile to go in a 5K cross country race and you aren't really working that hard and everyone around you is. Yeah. That's it that's a pretty fun amount of control for a kid that maybe doesn't have a lot. <laughs> yeah. I think that's incredible to, to that control piece. And for me, um, it, that just sparks like something in, in my brain. Like last year I ended up getting in probably the best shape of my life, um, before our, our third, um, child was born. And, and it was just something that I was like really focused on. I was training at like, you know, three, four in the morning and putting right. in a lot of mileage, um, on my bike, but it, I started to realize like when I got fit, really fit, not, not nearly as fit as you have, have been, but, um, or are, but like, I started to realize like the more fit I get, the more I'm kind of owning this and the more fun it is because it's kind of like riding, um, like a, like a motorbike kind of, you know, like it's not like that, but it's like, this is not really work. This is me kind of just expressing myself and in being in more of like a flow state as opposed right. to like huffing and puffing and just like feeling like your, your chest is going to blow up. Right. You yeah. Know? Totally. Yeah. And like yeah. that, it reminds me that when you talk about like being at, at the second mile and being in control, you're not like grasping, you're not hoping you're like driving kind of. Right. 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 And that's and a I cool place that- to be. It is cool, and I think those are fleeting moments, right? Because you don't, you, you ultimately you go to the next level, and there's there's guys that are more in control than you, or more more fit, or or there's they're faster or whatever. But but you know, in your in your little bubble, in your little pool, small pond that you're in at that time, mm-hmm. yeah, it is a good feeling. And I think I think sports is a great thing in that it does give kids and teenagers, young adults, whatever, uh, a chance to like really find confidence and express that control and, and feel power. You know, I think that's, I think that's a really good thing that comes from sports that, that maybe we don't always think about. We focus on the team, you know, teamwork and the camaraderie and the, you know, the life lessons you learn from working hard and those things are really good too. Mm -hmm. But I don't know, this is another thing maybe, maybe not for everybody though. I don't know. And, and as we look, as we look to your elite performance too um as i've kind of like you know gone through and, and and started to go back and check things out you um you performed at, at such an elite level um so you're you you recorded the fourth fastest time uh in stanford history for the for the three k steeplechase and and we'll get into that too you you ran your um your in 2006 you ran at 840.72 and yeah i want to hear about that but i i want I just want to kind of throw it out there that you mentioned kind of like 
pushing and going fast, but that doesn't happen without like putting in the work. And I feel like your what you've done is like you're the inner it's the intersection of that ambition and that willingness to work, but also just being capable. Like some people, they can be willing and ambitious and say, I want to run that time. It's not going to happen. So that's what I'm so excited about in talking to you is that you found something that not only are you highly competent at just naturally, but you found a real desire just to like crank it out. And so I want to kind of talk about what that transition was like going from Lisbon, New York to Stanford. And I can only imagine what that that felt like. (laughs) Sure. Well, you know, man, and, and I think the early desire was, like I said, to have a shot to you know, expand my, my opportunities, my future. Like I, I really knew that like sports was going to be a way that I could kind of, you know, I really, I wanted something a little bit bigger than, than Lisbon. I wanted to go out in the world and see more of the world and, and get some opportunities. And, and, you know, sports was like the way that you could do that most readily. I right. felt, you know, right. and, um, and, and I mean, academics can do that for sure. But I, I was so drawn to sports that was like in my mind, that was the way it was going to happen. So, so, so early on running was like, I'm, this is my vehicle, <laughs> you know, yeah. this is my way to, to give, to get more options, you know, and, and to make the pie bigger. So, um, but then going to Stanford was, was a whole different ball game. You know, you go from, you know, living in, in Lisbon and training in Canton, New York, and, and then, and then now you're in Palo Alto, California, like in the heart yes. of Silicon Valley, the Bay area. Right. And it's big, you know, just a, difference right and then my team at Stanford was stacked we had in Mm -hmm. my class my freshman class we had nine guys and almost all of all of them were like like really high caliber like most guys either had run under nine minutes for two miles under 412 for the mile or they'd made footlocker and um and you know only 32 kids in the country make footlocker every year and uh so so it was a it was a good group and and but every class was like that so you have five classes all stacked on each other and there's a little bit of attrition rate but mm-hmm. but you end up with you know 30 guys that can all run really fast <laughs> so so it was a big it was an interesting it was a culture shock from a you know just the environment that you're going to um and then the training was a lot harder you know all that but i was super excited for the athletic part and then the academic part was a really big transition because it was a really it was a lot harder academically than i was accustomed to so so doing do i just did some research um <laughs> kind of as a school counselor on Stan, on stanford and it, in, in addition to how beautiful it is and they call it the farm right yeah, the farm, yeah. Yeah. And um yeah. you're you're you know you're on like a beautiful campus. I couldn't get over like how many acronyms they have. I was just like kinda going through the school and <laughs> it seems like they have an acronym for everything is they do. Even the even all the dorms are acronyms and yeah. you know Memorial Church is called Mem Two. It's like so weird. It's kinda of funny. It's like do. um so many acronyms it's like I, at one point they were talking about palo alto and and then and then they switched over to like calling it just pa and i'm like i i didn't i didn't know that switch happened you know <laughs> <laughs> yeah they they that is like everywhere and, and it's like all all those acronyms and nicknames for stuff it's funny did, did it's, you it's an awesome school did you find out there like um that you were able to find any balance between just being like an all-out cutthroat competitor and like um like a little bit more any sort of like laid back 
um, community. I mean, it's interesting, like in the Born to Run book, Christopher McDougall wrote, um, the reason we race isn't so much to beat each other, but to be with each other. And did you find any like camaraderie there too? Uh, or was it yeah. just so such a oh, high yeah. level? Oh no, there was like our team was really tight knit and the team was like really good. Um, both the team was good, both like athletically good, but also like interpersonal, like was really, really strong. So, and, and I came from a, you know, I, I should say like, you know, my, my high school team was really good. We, you mm-hmm. know, I came from the Canton program when we'd won this sectional championship, like, I don't know, like 20 plus years in a row, you know, never losing. Right. Coach right. Casserly had just a dynasty. Right. Uh, of course that fell apart later, unfortunately, but after, well after he retired. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, uh, we had a great team and our team was really close in high school, but then, you know, the Stanford team was, you know, like you show up for training camp and it's before all the other kids get there. Right. And mm-hmm. we would go to altitude camp in Mammoth lakes and you get three weeks to work together and train. And you come back from that with, you know, 30 really good friends and a whole bunch of guys that are older that kind of like teach you the ropes. They're like, okay, you know, take this class, with this professor, oh, do right. this, you know, so you get, you get all the, that insight. And, um, and I, I found that there were a lot of the older guys had a lot of wisdom that I needed to survive, you know, so I would just get to, you know, spend a lot of time with them and ask them questions and talk to them and talk to them about, you know, they would help me with pickout classes. And, you know, some of the some of the older guys on the team helped me get through my my first quarter. Like I couldn't you know, the classes were really hard. And, hard. and they were, you know, so I'll never forget. There's a guy named Sean Knapp who, who's now like probably worth millions and millions. He he worked. Um, he's worked with some really big companies including um i forget the one salesforce i believe mm-hmm. and St- him and steve laughlin they helped me like do all my um computer science problem sets in this introduction class and you know so these guys were like awesome and you know they would help you help you in any way they could so and then and then i asked a lot of questions about the athletics too and sometimes you find you're you're getting the answers that are in athletics from the from different teammates than the academic you know all right that's cool <laughs> It, so uh, one of the things I wanted to touch on before we move on here, just regarding um, elite performances. So we yeah. have we have a local group of, of um, cyclists here that if I'm going to do like a big effort, it usually comes during one of the group rides um, where I'm kind of like I'm, I'm seeing I'm around people that are really pushing. And I was just wondering, um, is that something that brought out the best in you? Whether when we look at your your PRs, is it usually in kind of like the, those competitive settings where, you know, you've got people that they know you're working, um, and you're you're kind of in that group setting, or were you someone that was more kind of solitary with some of your big efforts? Uh, I think a mix. I think a mix. You know, I I, I think one of the things that. Um, can happen in a really good program is that you're going to have a lot of um, casualties, you know, and, and so you got to be careful. Like, I think the best guys in my team in college were good at kind of like finding chances to like do their recovery stuff, maybe solo and then hitting some big things together, but then also able to execute solo too. And really the, the best thing is that you can execute really good efforts solo and you can also um you know do it in that competitive moment you know in the arena with everybody else there and you know when i got there we you know when i got to stanford we would we would have these workouts and they were 
really hard and really long compared to what I was used to doing in high school. And, and like we'd run like 10 or 12 by a K right. With right. like short rest, a minute rest or something. That was like a staple workout for our program. And you'd have, we'd have three different groups or four different groups and you have like eight to 10 guys in a group. And so you're just on a line, you know, almost like cycling, you know, you're, mm-hmm. you're basically all in single file, on in a line drafting and, and just trying to ride that train and, and it really makes a huge difference to be in that train i don't think people really yeah. understand how much of a benefit there is even in running with drafting everybody knows it in cycling but but uh yeah we would you, you'd, you'd be in six sixth in the row and you're just you're just in there and you just are staring at the guys back and you're like okay just stay on stay on stay on stay on focus 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 and you just do that for you know 10 or 12 reps and you know you take your turn you lead one or two right and and you have to hit the paces and run the pace so everybody else is on pace too and so i don't know that that was like a big thing and uh, but i became good at pacing and i did a lot of rabbiting in the latter part of my pro career where i mostly made most of my money rabbiting and uh and i also was able to i ran some really good efforts but hard by myself um, or or in or in moments where i was maybe you know kind of going ahead you know so so yeah. i think i think i you always need to climb the ladder. So I guess to answer your question, I, I started at the bottom rung at Stanford and climbed my way up until I was the guy in control and, and leading the workouts by my fourth year or so. That's rocking. John, I, 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 you, when you talked about rabbiting a little bit, um, yeah. like I, I remember, um, I have no idea what year it was, but you, I, we turned the TV on and, and you were rabbiting in a race which um which means you're on the front setting the pace yeah. for a couple laps. Yeah. And and I remember your name came up on the screen and I was like, "Oh my goodness, like wh- how is he running that fast?" And 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 what what it was just kind of a weird moment for me. Um what was it like for you in a couple of those moments? I mean, that that's a brutal pace that you that you had to keep. Yeah, I I mean, I'm trying to think of which one I don't know what it, it was on uh, NBC Sports. Uh it was yeah, probably it was probably a probably the new york diamond league or there was an la one that i ran once okay um, so i had like it was right yeah, around the trials i think the 2008 trials yeah okay i, or maybe, I don't be. know maybe 20 yeah i don't know it could be it could be just after that maybe after that. um i i ran i i the new york diamond league or gold whatever grand prix one year um was a really good field there was like tariko bakele from ethiopia who was like top three in the world that year mm-hmm. and um and, and a bunch of other guys, and it was really windy and cold. And I showed up at the airport, and I was there to help out with our group and, and support my ex-wife, and, and she was racing, and her agent comes up to me. He was the meet director. He goes, hey, are, are you in shape? Do you have your spikes? And I was like, uh, I'm in shape, but I don't have spikes. And she goes, my ex-wife goes, yeah, he's, he's in shape. And, he, and he, he's like, good, because I need a rabbit for the 5K. What? I was like, wait, you don't have a rabbit? He's like, yeah, yeah, I, 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 you're going to be fine. I'll, here, I'll pay you. I'll pay you. No problem. You know? And I was like, oh, okay. Oh and I was like, I don't have spikes, so I didn't bring spikes to New York. And he goes, oh, no, we'll get you spikes. That's the problem. I'll, I'll call Adidas right now. So he just went <laughs> and got me spikes in my size. And I ran like, I don't know. I didn't run that much of it because I had to run like 61 or 60, 62s, I think, was the pace they wanted. Oh, okay. Into the end, it was windy. It was yeah. hard. So anyway, but awesome. that was, it was a fun one. So, <laughs> um, and, and so you spent three years as a professional runner and I yeah, think, about, I, about. right. It, um, I think the interesting thing about that, and I'm curious to, to, it sounds like, um, you know, that was a, a cool experience. I guess I'm just so interested in how you took that experience in, 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 in the New York experience at Stanford prior to that and really pivoted, 
um, into the entrepreneurial side of things. I mean, that that's something that I don't think a lot of athletes are good at. Mm. It's hard actually to to move on to the next chapter, right? It's it's really that's a big challenge. If that's been most of your you know, focus and identity and, and, and even most of your points of growth have come from that. Like that's a, it's a really hard thing to, to change, you know? So I feel, I feel for athletes that are kind of like winding down their careers and especially if they don't have a lot of clarity on what they're going to do, it's tricky. Um, I, I was fortunate, I guess, with the transition though, Andy, cause, cause my, uh, my coach at the time, Terrence Mahan, and was was awesome. And when I right when I started working with him, I realized how much there was in the sport besides coaching. You know, and there was all this stuff with needed to happen to to achieve high performance with therapy and with biomechanics and with you know, strength and conditioning stuff. And and so like you know, I really did dove in head first. I bought into everything that Terrence was doing and I was like, I'm going to learn as much of this as I can. I'm going to try to master it. And when, when I couldn't figure it out, it bothered me and I'd keep working at it until I could yeah. hopefully understand it. So, so I just really bought in first as an athlete, but then it started to be like, we, you know, I was lucky because we were around a guy named Dan Paff a lot and Dan is just a genius and he's had Olympic athletes like in every discipline, hammer throw to the 10K, and mm. he's worked with marathon runners. He's worked, but he's mostly a sprints guy. He worked with Donovan Bailey when he when he set the world record in Atlanta with the gold right. medal. Dan was his coach, right? And um, and Dan has just had these amazing results. He coached Greg Rutherford to the gold medal in in 2012 uh, long jump. Um, so he's worked with all these different disciplines. And uh, at the time when I was working with Terrence and kind of winding down my career, Dan, and I got to be around him a ton. And I remember towards the end, like it was one year there was world champs going on. And um, I remember just finishing my training and going and eating lunch. And then I would go back down to the track house at the training center and just watch Dan work for like, two hours or three hours. And I kind of was getting more and more interested in that than I was even like my own training and competition anymore. So, and once I started to kind of not do well and I was just, I was not making money and I was like kind of struggling with, you know, having a little bit of a personal crisis of like, what am I doing here? Is this the right thing anymore? Um, Then it, then Terrence and I had a conversation. He was like, well, you got other options. You don't have to keep running. I was like, well, what am I going to do? He goes, well, you could coach or you could do therapy. Yeah. I was like, huh. well, I think I'll do therapy. And he cool. goes, okay, I'll have to get started. And so he, you know, that was like the transition, you know, and it kind of went pretty, it went pretty smoothly, although there was definitely bumps in the road. <laughs> but you, you had a, a really cool kind of skill set coming into that decision, probably like in terms of your going through your, any of your own injuries and, and then having a really sure. good understanding of your own kind of biomechanics and, and how things work. I, and then addition, in addition to that, I think some people are just better maybe healers than other in terms of having an understanding of what, what's hurting, you know, what, and where that root causes too. Some people just don't grasp that. I don't think. Yeah, I don't know. I, I think maybe it's, it is a little intrinsic for some of us or some people. I, I don't know. I've always been really curious about that stuff. Like I remember my, um, my freshman year, they gave us a foam roller and they gave us a packet with some diagrams on how to use it. Yeah. And I was like, okay, well, I'll figure this out. So then I started doing stuff with it and I figured out, oh, well, I think if I use this thing, it's going to help me stay healthier. And I kind of sorted out that like, like I kind of would 
talk to all the older guys on our team and we'd have all these guys right <clears throat> that came in every single class would come into stanford the program was tremendous they'd all be great right in high school but then only a couple would end up being like the All-Americans and the NCAA champions and then the Olympians, right? right. And I was like, oh, man, why is it that you get like six guys that can run nine minutes in the high school in the two-mile and then only one ends up running 13.30 in the 5K and going to the Olympic trials? And I was like, that's what I want to do. So what did he do right? Mm-hmm. And what did everybody else do wrong? So I started asking those questions of the guys in a nice way, you know, like, hey, not, you know, you know, I would, uh, and I would realize that injury was pretty much the limiter, right? Yeah. And so then I was like, well, that's the key. You got to stay healthy. If you can stay healthy, you can train every year a little bit more, a little bit more compounds. And, and I was like, that's the thing. You got to stay healthy. So, and, and I was already seeing it, you know, by the end of freshman year, a lot of my guys in my class were getting hurt. And, um, and so I just would spend, you know, 20 to 40 minutes a day doing stuff in my dorm room, you know, doing foam rolling, doing stretches, doing exercises, whatever. And I just like to figure stuff out. And I've always had that knack for figuring out. And even like I remember my teammates in, in college, my classmates would get mad at me because I'd stay late after practice and I'd be doing extra stuff. Or I'd go to the training room and they'd be like, hurry up, we got to go to dinner. And they'd just be, you know, kind of frustrated with me. Yeah. Um, and then and then my four, third year. I don't know, second or second year, even third year, something like that. One of the old guys that was on the farm team, which is a pro group in Palo Alto, he gave us a a massage table and we just put it in our suite. And it was kind of like this thing where like, I would just kind of like work on some of the guys in my, in my, my roommates and I would try stuff out and we were getting therapy already. So I would kind of like try to replicate what they had been doing on us. And so I guess I just had a curiosity about that for a long time. And, and then getting to be around Dan and Terrence, um, kind of at the tail end of my professional career, that's what really made it took off. <laughs> and, and I think at this point too, just for listeners, like I, I think the best transition for people at this point would just be maybe to check out your website. Like I, I've spent the last couple of days just kind of checking it out. And I, I love like um, the testimonials, like whether it's an Olympian or um, a CrossFit athlete, just talking about not only like your positivity and encouragement, but like your true understanding of the content. So if you're out there, folks, just like it's it's kineticperformanceco.com. So it's um and and I'm gonna do this in the intro too, but um, sure. kinetic with a K and then performance uh, and then yep. co.com. I I think yep. that that's very important for me because um as someone I think that's in rooted in kind of a growth mindset and improving that for me is just like walking the walk. You know, like anyone can anyone can talk about how they want to um, improve the performance of people and, and help people be healthier. But like to, to see and hear people um, having a positive impact from from your work and the team in your team, I think it is really cool. So, yeah, check that well, out. <laughs> your, your, your whole your whole facility is ridiculous, though. I think we just need to acknowledge that for a moment. <laughs> Oh, well, thank you. How, yeah, did, how I, did that? How, how did that? I mean, I, I, I don't want to like take up too no, much of no, your time, but no, that, that's that, fine. it's okay it's it's incredible. You know, it's beautiful. I mean, is it like um, 10,000 square feet? It's Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's 10,000 square feet. It's big. It's kind of spacious. It's a big square building, and it's a standalone building. And so, you know, it's kind of kind of nice to not have, like, a neighbor right attached to your, to right. your unit. And, um, you know, we just, we're kind of tucked in a business park up in the central part of the city where there's there's a lot of industry and business here, but there's not a lot of residential. Um, right. But it's, it's perfect because we have, you know, 
we have, you know, we do a good amount of volume and you need, you need parking in my kind of business. You need a lot of parking right. um, and you need access to freeways because we got people coming from all over the county. And I mean, I have, I have athletes coming down from LA all the time. And mm-hmm. so, so being centrally located and close to highways is a big deal from a business standpoint. And um, yeah, so we just moved in here a year ago. We've been in, I, I think almost just under a year and um started in a much smaller uh facility uh but our 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 space is kind of mixed office and and warehouse space and we you know built the warehouse out and made it into a gym and so i've got you know 30 meters of turf and uh, a lot of racks and rigs and weight and um we've got kind of what you need to for you know a high performance gym and, and we do a lot of work with high level athletes but we also do a lot of you know our model is working with people that are you know want to be serious and want to want to get better or train better and you know i think we we bring a lot of elite level concepts and theory and methodology down to like you know recreational even seniors you know we have old ladies in there 70 years old that are doing kettlebell stuff and you know so it's that's pretty fun yeah (laughs) yeah and, and I think that was my one takeaway in seeing it is that it's not really one dimensional either. I think a lot of people think um, when they think of an injury, it's like, I got to get to the doctor. I got to get this thing fixed and I got to get it out there and roll. I think in going through some of um, your kind of business model or just general philosophy, it sounds like it's more um, holistic in the sense that it's the mental side of things. It's um, understanding you know, not chasing the symptoms, but looking for the root cause. And I, I just, I really appreciate that as someone that is a terrible person when I'm injured. Like I, I love being healthy. Like the last couple of years has been about being healthy for me. And I, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm loving life and I hate being, <laughs> I hate being injured. Right. Right. Well, I think the, uh, I think the thing that you see with people when they are injured is, a, they can't do their um, their chosen activity or they don't feel like they're moving towards their goals. Uh, if you're a pro athlete or a college athlete, it's financial. You know, you're, you're going to be in financial pain as well, potentially, or, or, you're, or you're vulnerable there. Uh, and then, and then even, but even for non, non-professionals or regular people, like to be in pain is, is a really bad thing if you're in pain for any period of time. You know, short-term pain and short-term stress, those are good things, mm-hmm. but to be in like, you know, really severe pain for a while, that's a, it really wreaks havoc on your mindset and on your, um, just everything, you know, it really starts to create these negative feedback loops. So I think having like, I I really wanted to build an environment and a culture where people are, it's positive and it's motivating and people are excited to be there. And, and then they have like, you know, there's kind of like a general sense of community and purpose. And so like, you know, since I write, you know, the first piece of paper that I wrote down my plans for kinetic, I wrote down like, you know, kind of like who's the target. And it was like, I want seven year old ladies in the waiting room or on a squat rack next to Olympic medalists. Like, that's what I want. I don't want to be, we're not just like trying to get only professional athletes and we're not trying to, you know, I, I, I think it's healthy to have that mix. You know, right. I think there's cross pollination of ideas and learning and motivation and perspective. That's super important, you know? Yeah, so. I, th- I think that I think that's great, and I and I I just wanted to kind of share that out because um, I I think that some people just think about um, maybe the the space and, and the building, but I like how you hit upon like 
you're actually building a team and, and, a, and a culture there too. And, and that requires a totally different skill set. And I, I can just see you drawing on all the things that you've learned to make this happen and just want to maybe encourage that. <laughs> like that's a, that's a, that's a big lift. Yeah, yeah, I appreciate it. It's, yeah. uh, you know, it's, it's definitely a transition, you know, as you take on more and more, um, you know, kind of space and more equipment and more clientele and more responsibility and, you know, more, more staff, uh, more admin help, mm-hmm. uh, more, more contractors that you need for all these different services. And, uh, you take on, you know, more practitioners. It, it's, it's, it's a lot, um, to do it but it's it's fun to see it evolve and grow so that's i guess like uh you know it, it's it's feels it feels good to to have it actually coming along and you know this is you know we opened this and i was like okay well this is sooner than i thought we'd get here but um but it, it was kind of always where i wanted to be you know <laughs> that's cool well well we're rooting for you man so this is the part this is the part of the pod where we just do a lightning round so it's just kind of quick answers and hopefully it's kind of you know fun and I'm yeah. I'm interested in in a couple of them in particular, so and fortunately sure. I, I get to write the questions. So, <laughs> <laughs> all right, man. So let's do a lightning round. So, um, all right, your favorite number? Uh thirteen. Nice. Um, best place to eat in San Diego, specifically Little Italy, where you live. Ooh, okay. Oh, uh, or it doesn't have to be in Little Italy. I just I no, just imagine okay. good restaurants. Yeah. Yo, there's really good restaurants. Uh, let's see. I'm gonna say there's a couple options. Uh. Uh, probably probably Ironside Fish and Oyster is is my number one. That's where I love to bring people into coming town. It's like this really cool feels like you're in a mix between Grand Central Station and uh and like the Titanic. It's kinda of old school vibe yes. in there. And they have great like great wine list, drinks, seafood, oysters, everything's awesome. So that's really good. Um I and I, I've been fortunate to work with a lot of people in the group. I, I treat a lot of them and uh there's another place called um Cucina Urbana, which is really close to Little Italy, and that's uh, that's also fantastic. Um, but yeah, like Ironside is like two blocks from my my condo, so it's oh, nice that's nice. Um, yeah. So the third question would be uh, the most fun event you've ever participated in. Oh, uh, oh man, event, event, event. Uh, maybe maybe the Olympic trials. Yes, the Olympic trials for track and fields, probably. And I've kind of done it as a as an athlete, as a as a you know working it, you know as athlete support, right? Um, and then and then also as a fan, kind of with you know seeing you know my ex wife compete. So yeah, oh, that's so cool. And and a quick shout out to to um in two thousand eight, I I saw that you ran in your trials with uh, athlete number eleven, William Nelson, which I thought was was very cool. <laughs> that's yeah. a, that's a that's a that's a little trivia um yeah. thing for you. Yeah. Right, he so, goes back Billy. Oh, he does. Okay, okay, cool. <laughs> yep. Yep. <laughs> and was he was he an Oregon guy or? I think. I th- uh, no, Colorado. Oh, Colorado. Okay, Colorado right on. Guy. Colorado okay. Colorado had a really team, and uh, we competed a lot in in high school, or sorry, in yeah, high school, and then college and pro. Yep. That's so cool. All right, man. The best meal you've ever cooked. <sighs> oh man, um, I think I've made I've grilled some pretty good steaks in my day. Yes. Uh, I like to grill, so probably probably something steak. And I I, mean, I like I'm interested in like I make a lot of salads with like contrast, so like vegetable mm. some like vegetables that are like maybe flash cooked, and then you put them in the salad with some other cold stuff. And yeah, yeah so probably like some grilled asparagus on top of like a, a a salad with some other stuff and steak. That's probably that's probably up there for me. That's, that's like your go to. Yeah, that's what I like to eat. That's cool. Yeah. All right, last one of the lightning round here. 
um, who would you like, who would you most like to meet? Ooh. And, th- and this may um, happen. You're going to throw it into the universe here today. That's right. Uh, shoot. I'm trying to think here. I would really like to meet, um, I don't know. I'm not doing a very good job being quick here. Uh, I'm trying to think. Probably, I don't know. There's there's so many names, and, and nothing is popping out as the first one. I, I, I'd be really curious, I guess, to meet... Um, hmm. I mean, I could name a lot, but the number one, I don't know. It's going to happen. Okay. I'll come. Yeah. Uh, it's okay. Well, I'll come back to it. it. You, you don't need I'll, to I'll get, yeah. you don't need to get a hundred on everything. All right. <laughs> so, um, a, a couple of things I just want to hit on. I, I know we're, we're running here. Um, but I was really interested that you, you had the opportunity to go to the, uh, Tony Robbins event in 2019. I think yeah. for, for me, this last two, these last two years have been a lot about like personal growth, um, listening to guys like Rich Roll and, and, and Tony and, and a lot of other yeah. guys that are um, just, I think, pushing the, the limit of, of what we can do. Did you have any, yeah. ta- any takeaways from, from that event? Oh, so many. And I actually did several events. I went to the business one and then I went to, I went to a couple of the other ones and, um, I, I learned a lot. I learned a lot about, I think like when you start, like Tony does a really good, maybe Tony's the guy I want to meet the most. Yes. Maybe, maybe that's the answer. Yeah, that yes. might be it. Um, so, so Tony, like he kind of takes you through these, like kind of the six, um, human needs that every, every human has and needs to fulfill and, Kind of like learning how to less be focused maybe on some of the more fundamental needs like certainty. Everybody, most people tend to focus too much on certainty and significance. And those, you can trade really well on those for a while, but uh, you eventually kind of run out of uh, – that's not the not probably the best way to go. And so when you can start embracing more, you know, growth and, and service and, and love and connection, those are, those are really big things to kind of – recalibrate yourself constantly towards that i think that's a big takeaway um and then i I think i learned more about how to be a leader and how to try to try to you know try to set the tone uh for other people and and how much effect we can each have by what we bring every day Mm. i think those things that's good stuff a lot more a lot about business a lot about you know the other things too for sure that's pretty cool. Um, and it seems like you're in the, in the right field for that, to have that kind of like motivation. Um, one thing I wanted to hit upon, I think I can kind of combine these two, um, just for brevity, but we talked a little bit about injury prevention, but I've, I've seen that you've, you've really kind of pushed to do some more like kind of like group, uh, trainings on like active release technique. It, and and you've put videos up too. Those are really cool to check that out. So check check John out um, or Kinetic Performance on on YouTube. Is there anything that like the normal person can do, like me, just to try to like be a little bit more um, healthy? Sure. Yeah. I and mean, you don't have to go I, into to to too much detail. I mean, I'm just thinking like quick takeaways that we could. You sure. Know. Yeah. Well, some quick takeaways are like, you know, I'm everybody knows about sleep and that's like the big thing everybody right. talks about right now. And I'm even, I'm less on that one cause I don't sleep a lot, but I think, I think sleep is important, you know, but you got to figure out what's the dose that you need. And then what are the things you can do to like optimize what you're getting? And a lot of us are pretty busy. We've got other stuff to do. You know, you got family, you got kids, you got all these things. So like, what are you going to do to optimize sleep and, and 
that comes down to like mindfulness training. It probably comes down to like if you can use an infrared sauna and detox a little bit, which also helps some of the other things to stay healthy. But um, some things like that, and then and then your nutrition and all those things affect sleep, right? So optimizing your sleep, whatever that number is, yeah. is, is part of it. But really, quality is the big thing. Um, and then. I think like hydration is huge and I think I think I'm really focused not just with, with with hydration and nutrition I think focusing on the sourcing and the quality is the biggest deal it's not okay. even so much what it is but what's the quality so like you know there's so much debate about meat or not meat or fish or not fish well there's a big difference between getting farmed salmon and wild salmon and there's a big difference between grass-fed meat and like really crappy like corn fed stuff that's right. just not quality and, and and so like i think i think that your sourcing of of your nutrients and of your hydration is big you know so mo- most so many people unfortunately would be drinking such bad quality water uh, i think most of us are actually not very hydrated most of the time mm-hmm. um and so the quality of the water places where like you live you're very fortunate in that you can probably get much better water very easily but out here you know you gotta you gotta be have really good filtration systems and, and all that to drink good quality water that doesn't have a lot of toxins in it and stuff yeah. so so that's a big thing um and, and really all our connective tissue in our body all the fascia is is water is integral to it you know and then and then also the hormones and chemicals uh you know that are circulating in our body affect our tissue so um so i think i think those things are big and then having you know some good movement practices is important and and being mobile and staying moving you know like i think just being able to move a lot during the day and and have or have intervals where you do do that even if you're at a desk um and and then having certain things you know you gotta have some sort of a mobility and flexibility routine whether it's yoga whether it's you know some other methodology mm-hmm. um having some movement stuff where you kind of check in with how your body's doing and feeling that's important besides your training you know your training is right. part of that too yeah that, that's something that i need to do a better job at for sure yeah and it can be simple it can be like four or five minutes a day of just a few things um or you can have a rotation of things you know but we put mm-hmm. a lot of content out to try to get people thinking about different things they can try different things they can self-calibrate with or or self um self-help you know and and i think that's important to do some stuff a little bit every day that's cool so like in, in the like I was kind of going through some of the Olympians you've had a chance to work with, um, whether it's like Brittany Reese or Jeremy uh, Taiwo and uh, Evan Jagger too. Like, are they doing? Are is it pretty consistent across those people? Like, they're they're like nutrition's locked, sleep is locked, uh, training, recovery. It's it's pretty professional for those folks. Yes. Yes. They're they're very systematic and very rigorous about it. um, Almost without exception yes. um you know like those le- those athletes at that level um you, you you pretty much have to be because because again you'll either get injured mm-hmm. or you won't be able to be consistent you won't you know and even just consistently feeling good is a thing you know so yeah. and, and we'll have areas we can improve and all of those people you named probably have uh, certain things that they don't do as uh, quite as well you know right. but uh, but i find like the, the, it seems to me that the trend is the best people that are consistently the best, they tend to be pretty dialed in with the majority of it. And some of them are, you know, there's genetic <laughs> and there's genetics and there's talent, right? And and that does sort it out. And and some of the, the best talents can get away with 
certain lifestyle things are, you know, less optimal. Um, but even them, I think they hone in and focus at points to do it pretty well. So right. yeah, That's nutrition, cool. sleep. I think, I think you'd be surprised how much work these athletes put in outside of the actual training for their discipline or their sport or event. You know, there's a lot of hours per week doing the other stuff. And, so. and what I think is cool about that too, um, before we wrap up here is like, I feel like that shows uh, if it's sustainable like that and you can pull it off. Like there's, there's an actual love or, or joy there. Like you can you can right. sprint for for a short period of time, but to actually become a, a master at something requires um, a real appreciation and love of that activity. So that's why I I appreciate those people so much. I mean, you don't just yeah. you don't just get to that point by you know cramming for the test. No, no, you really don't. And, and there's so most of those people are really good at, like, the process, you know, mm. they'll, they'll work on the process, and they'll just keep working and working and working. And they usually really, uh, I, I think they do find a way to really enjoy it. And, and yeah, I, I think there's that, that, that passion to keep doing it and, and working at it is a, is a big thing. Cool. Do you, John, do you have any um, podcasts, books, music albums, movies that you could kind of leave with us that that you're oh, into sure. right now? Yeah, what do you got? Sure, yeah. What do, got? What do I got? Um, podcasts. I really love uh, my buddy Mario Fraioli's podcast. It's called The Morning Shakeout. Yes, it's I like tremendous. That. Um, and for anybody that's into like more kind of endurance stuff or running or track and field, that's a good one. Um, I, you know, I've listened to Joe Rogan for years. Yeah. Uh, I listened to a lot of the early Tim Ferriss stuff um, a lot. And then um, what else? I, those are those are kind of the big ones. And there's an um, there's an NPR podcast that I really like to get some just different kind of stuff. Um, so yeah, there's there's a few of those. I forget what the NPR one is called. I, I think it's. Uh, I can't remember. Anyway, uh, books I really like. Let's see. There's a book called Einstein's Dreams. It's a very short book. You can read it very quickly. Einstein's Dreams, and I forget the the author's name, but uh, it's one of my most gifted books, and it's about time, and it's it's kind of this little fictional book. It has all these little short stories. You can read all the, each story in like, you know, a short sitting in the morning, drinking coffee or something, and and it's about like Einstein and it's set in Switzerland, like during the time when he was, you know, working in a patent office and on the side working on the theory of relativity and kind of trying to imagine it's basically the book is like about the types of dreams that Einstein would have been having about time. And I'm really interested in, in time. There's this, one of my, one of the clients that I have, he's a, he's an older gentleman. He's a, he was a physicist and a professor for 40 years. And one day he and I were talking about time and he, and he told me I should I should get that book and you know cool. time is like the biggest resource right and so yeah. I'm really interested in how we use it and how we manage it and how to optimize it but you know also I gotta have time for moments where you don't focus on time and you're off the clock you yeah. know <laughs> so that's that's a good one and then maybe the two other ones power versus force by okay. david hawkins he's a medical doctor and he wrote this book a long time ago and it's about kind of like it's about how um, human behavior is so shaped by our, our emotional states. And this is stuff that would have influenced a lot of the early, you know, things going into like Tony Robbins and all that. And so he has this, basically this map of consciousness where he talks about the different levels of consciousness that people progress to as they become closer to quote unquote enlightenment. And, yeah. um, and it, and it kind of shapes and 
you know, gives you context for a lot of the things that happen in the world politically and, you know, all these problems and, and also good things. And it, you kind of see how he goes through and he calibrates, you know, different everything from like, you know, political movements, religious doctrines, uh, leaders, sports figures in, in this, this map of consciousness. It's very good. Um, long, heavy read though, long book. Right. And then my other one, that's a really easy read that I really love is, um, is a book called the Celestine prophecy. Have yeah. you heard of that one? Yeah, I've heard of that one. That one's great. Yeah, James Redfield. Yeah, yep. so that's a really good one. Um, it's kind of like kind of a Paulo Coelho type. Uh, you know, um, what's the what's the Paulo Coelho? Uh, the Alchemist. The, the Alchemist. Yeah. It's kind of like that, um, and a little a little more maybe often a little bit more of a dimension um and it's it's all about kind of like the interactions that we have and how there's no accident and every interaction that we have can have a meaning and a purpose if, if you if you're willing to listen for it and i, th- yeah. I think that's a really nice lesson so yeah. so those ones that's albums cool. i'm really into i don't know there's this i'm really into like kind of a weird phase music wise i always go back to my old favorites you know some of the old albums from the 90s that when we were kids growing up i love like like pearl jam 10 and um some of that but um there's the uh the there was a the live album i used to listen to when i was younger but um i think it was is it live on two feet the pearl jam album Oh, that was good too. Yeah, yeah I was actually talking about the band live. I oh, yeah, the band live. Yes. Throwing copper, I think. Is yeah, the album, yeah, right? right on. Yeah, yeah. Cool. And then, but the newest album I've listened to is the new Party Next Door album. is very good, I think. Right on. That's so <laughs> cool. So, yeah. So cool, Jonathan uh, Pierce. I just wanted to to thank you. Um, uh, in in the intro, I'm gonna let people know where they can find you on Instagram and and uh, sure. and your website and things like that. I guess I just wanted to thank you, and um, I want to say that the the life that you're leading is clearly kind of one of intention, and um, and I think that people can take from that, and hopefully um, other people can inspire you, and then you can inspire other people too, and that's my hope. So. Well, thank you. I I appreciate the compliments. We're we're all doing our best and trying to trying to improve and 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 keep doing bigger and better and more right <laughs> right on man and if you ever yeah. uh you know find yourself in lake placid at the jackrabbit trail maybe we'll meet up and you hit that up a little bit absolutely absolutely <laughs> then you gotta come out and visit see the facility and we'll go to ironside too. oh my goodness yeah no that see that, that's what i gotta do i gotta keep putting stuff like that out there and it's gonna happen totally yeah but the jackrabbit trail we gotta do a reunion of that we'll, yeah. we'll definitely do that okay man <laughs> hopefully awesome. hopefully it won't be 20 years before the next one no, let's make it. Let's make it sooner. Okay. All right, buddy. Take care. Okay. All right, dude. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. All right, folks. That's it. Thanks again to Jonathan Pierce for coming on the show. Uh, check us out on Instagram at the Sugar Bench. Email any questions or comments to sugarbench at gmail.com. Be safe out there, everybody, and always try your best. <laughs>